My name is Jen A. I am a recovered compulsive overeater. And I do say recovered because I am recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. I'm not the same girl bodily or mentally or physically as the same girl that I came in. And um, I'll just give you kind of a glimpse uh, of how it was. And um, this is a picture of me. This was me at 220 pounds before I ever even came to Overeaters Anonymous. I did not lose the weight in Overeaters Anonymous, but that was the heaviest I ever was. I played with food from the age eight when I ate my first Twinkie at my friend Leanne's house. I was over there playing Atari. She had this pantry that was unbelievable, full of uh, sweets and treats. And I went down and I grabbed one Twinkie and not just one, but two or three or four ran to the bathroom, stuffed them all down my throat, and then put the paper in the toilet um, roll and then stuffed in the trash in case somebody would ever find it. I wasn't the kid who grew up um, with a household of sweets or sodas or anything like that. The best thing I could ever get my hands on was the chocolate chips that my mom would um, make cookies with if they were still there or cake mix out of a box. I ate it with a spoon out of a box in hiding. So um, those were my binge substances when I was really young. You know, I'm not going to say I was a, I'm a compulsive overeater because I was sexually abused as a kid. I'm not going to say that I'm a compulsive overeater uh, because kids teased me on the playground and bullied me all the way through high school. I'm a compulsive overeater because I have an allergy, an allergy of the body, a twist of the mind and a spiritual malady, which is the hole deep down in my soul, which blocks me off from having any type of access to power which is what I learned in these rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. So uh, from 220 pounds, I went down to about 126. Um, this is the girl who walked into the rooms of Overeaters Anonymous. And so I always I tell this story because the thinnest girl in the room can be the one that's dying. And I hear people say when they share, you know, I'm a compulsive overeater, anorexic, exercise bulimic, right? And I am all those things. <laughs> I, I have done anything and everything with food, pills, potions, you name it. But, you know, uh, after I made it through uh, elementary school, junior high, went off to college, gained the freshman 50 in the first semester, 50 pounds in one semester, came home, exercised maybe 25 of it off, and then went back to college and ate and drank more. I still didn't know I had a problem. And I was able to diet down when I got married. And I'm actually the same height and weight as when I very first got married. I can't remember what year it was, a long time ago, but it's up over 20 some years. And which is which is just batshit crazy for me, right? Because I thought there's no way that was the girl who had to exercise and diet her way to get into that wedding dress. But I still ate um, like I ate when I was younger. It just got progressively worse for me. Let's just fast forward a little bit um, through my marriage. Um, it was hell on wheels. You know, I married into a wonderful family, a glass house. I don't know if anybody married into a family like that, um, but it was beautiful. But there were still problems on the inside of the house and there were problems on the inside of me. And so I ate to cover that up. So I went from a normal size body weight, which I thought I was when I got married, and I just kept ballooning and ballooning and ballooning to that 220 pounds that you saw. I ate when I was sad. I ate when I was mad. I ate when I was happy. I ate all the time. I became the uh, baker at church 
So if you needed a meal made, I was going to make you a meal and I was going to make you dessert. And I always made dessert for my family too, because nobody takes a meal to anybody else without making dessert for their family. So my family always had one and I licked the bowl. I, um, I scraped the bowl. I ate half of what my family had. They didn't know. Right. So, you know, I continued um, to hide it, but obviously I wasn't in hiding at 220 pounds. So it progressively got worse for me. I got divorced um, and rightfully so. I remember when I got divorced, I always said, oh yeah, we're equally, you know, we're equally the problem. I always just said the niceties or whatever. But the reality was for a girl like me is that I was a raging lunatic bitch. I was in the food pretty bad. I would stay up till two o'clock in the morning, binging and eating. I owned my own photography business. And so I had an office downstairs I did all the grocery shopping and all the cooking. So nobody saw what went, came in the house and nobody saw what disappeared and went into my throat, right? And I will just say that my ex-husband is a great parent. He's a great person, um, but I used to say he wasn't a great partner. And the reality is today in Overeaters Anonymous, I look at me and say, I wasn't the best partner, um, but I didn't realize that till much later. So I did end up getting divorced. And when I got divorced, uh, you know, I didn't want to be alone, right? Because there's this hole down in my soul. I told you about the spiritual malady. That's the other part of this, this illness. And I, I looked for love in all the wrong places. And I had to get thin to do so. So I dieted, I exercised, and I dieted, and I exercised. And I came down from that 220 pounds all the way to 126 I took pills, I drank potions, I stuck myself with needles, women, pregnant women's urine, um, not just once, not just twice, not just three times, but four times in two years. No clinic ever knew me. I dodged bullets. I went around everywhere. Like I, I, had, it, I had it made. And so how did I know I had a problem? I didn't know. Like I was literally in my 40s and going, okay, like my life is crazy but I just thought it was everybody else around me. My ex-husband I thought was crazy. My family I thought was crazy. And I was self-employed, so I didn't have to work with anybody. So nobody knew that I was crazy, right? Like most people who go to the workplace, they have problems with relationships in the workplace. I didn't have any problems with myself because I liked me, right? And so the reality was that one day I was so freaking miserable. I had become a huge drinker at the time because I couldn't control my food. So I would drink my way through life. And I drank every night. I drank about a bottle of wine. I'd make my kids dinner and I'd have a glass of wine. And then I pour another glass of wine, another glass of wine, but I wouldn't eat um, because the sugar and the wine gave me the same kind of effect that the food did. I saw it effects, like I said, from food, from exercise, from you name it, I, I sought it. And, you know, I'll just say this, that eventually I was on Facebook with a glass of wine and I was unfriending everybody. And it was like F you, F you, F you and unfriending everybody because I see, see, I used to send out 300 Christmas cards and everybody I was friends with at the world and everybody, right? My life was so rosy and wonderful at one point in time. But when I got divorced, everything went under, right? I could no longer cover up. I could no longer hide. So basically the eating got out of control. The exercise got out of control. And I was going to get rid of you because you were making me miserable. I didn't realize I was making myself miserable. 
So I was on Facebook and a guy that I went to high school with posted this massive vomit of a post. And he said, oh, by the way, like I'm a recovered alcoholic addict and look at me. And here was his before picture and here was his after picture. And he looked pretty doggone good, right? And so I said, hmm, okay, well, that's really great. So I private messaged this guy and said, love the fact that you're sober and clean. You look great. There's no hope for a girl like me. And he replied back and said, sure, there is. Go to OA. And I said, oh, what? And he said, OA. So I got on the computer and I Googled OA. And I saw that it said Overeaters Anonymous. And I was like, screw that. I am not going to an overeaters place. Like, I don't want to get fat, right? Like, I'm I'm star craving skinny. I'm a crazy woman inside. And on the outside, I'm just a corpse with skin. And I said, I'm not coming to Overeaters Anonymous. I refuse to ever get fat again. And he said, just try it. Just try one meeting. So I went to a meeting, which happened to be in a church, which at that time I had given up on God. I'd given up on the, the building, the believers, the Bible, the whole nine yards that I had been inundated and in living my life in for the last 14 years. You see, I served in the church. I served in women's ministry. I ran children's youth programs. I ran Sunday morning um, fellowships and Bible studies and everything out of my house. I was such a Christian. I was such a good girl, right? But at this point in time in my life, I didn't believe in any of that because you see, God didn't save a girl like me. Not at all. I wrote him. I journaled him. I prayed. I asked him. I was like, please help me, God. And he was never there. But I was using God. And I figured that out once I came to Overeaters Anonymous. So I went into that church, scared to death, sat at a table with a few people. And I looked over and they were doing this workbook, right? So I don't remember what step or whatever they were on, but I just sat there and listened. And they said, keep coming back. It works if you work it. So I kept coming back to that same meeting. And week after week, I came back and they got to this thing called sponsorship in this workbook. And I go, okay, great. Which one of you can sponsor me? And they all sat there and go, I said, well, how do I, how do I get better, right? How am I supposed to get well? Like you offer a program, but what's the solution and who's going to help guide me? And so basically they said, you need to go to a bigger meeting. So I went to the Yale meeting off of Yale and I-25. And um, I'll have to say that I walked in 15 minutes late because it was more important for me to go on my 35 mile bike ride that morning. And I came in and I saw nine people sitting in the room. And I thought, you know what, I'm so pissed off. Like somebody told me this is going to be a big meeting and I was going to find a sponsor here. And so I like kind of weaseled my way over into a chair and I sat down and I listened and I just kept my mouth shut. And I was like, okay. And this man, he sat across from me and he was holding this book, this blue book. And he was reading these things called Ninth Step Promises. And I listened to what he said and how these Ninth Step Promises had changed his life and who he was today. And he sat across me sane and calm and collected. And he was in like this normal body weight from what I could tell. I didn't know that he had once been 365 pounds and now he's 160 pounds, right? And so I just listened and I thought, hmm, okay. Well, I've been in a building before with believers in a book and the whole nine yards, just like you're preaching now. And I never got any of that. So he said, keep coming back. So I kept coming back. 
The next week there were 65 people because what I didn't realize is they do breakout sessions. <laughs> so what I had entered was a breakout session of that meeting. I began to hear the big book, the 12 and 12. They had leader share meetings there. And I sat and I listened. And finally, this woman spoke and she sounded like an angel. And so people always say, find someone who you like or has what you want and, and, and go for it. So I said to her, I'm like, hmm, am I going to talk to her? Nope. So I sure I, you know, that care list that you pass around in the, in the face-to-face meetings, I wrote her number down, but I didn't call her for a couple of weeks. And then finally I got desperate enough because I kept going back to the food. I kept going back to the food. I couldn't stop from starting and I couldn't stay stopped. And I tried to diet, right? I sat in the chairs and I tried to diet and I tried to eat what I thought was decent food, but I didn't know what, I didn't know what to eat and I didn't know what to do. So I asked that woman if she would meet with me and if I could interview her. And so I interviewed her outside of the church of the first meeting that I went to on a bench. I'll never forget it. And she was very lovely and she answered all my questions and she was very kind. And she goes, so would you like to start the work? And I said, sure. Next week. She goes, no, today. (laughs) And I was like, okay. So I did what she told me to do. And, you know, I will say this, and I'm, I'm just going to put this out there because it was part of my learning experience. At the time, I was dating an alcoholic addict. And so I was going to Al-Anon meetings and OA meetings. And the problem was, is that I was trying to do two things at once. I don't know how many of you have tried to canoe, like been in a canoe and tried to get to the shore of freedom, but I could not get to the shore of freedom with one foot in the canoe of OA and one foot in the canoe of Al-Anon. You know, lovingly enough, I attended all these meetings. I was going to OA, Al-Anon, OA, Al-Anon, OA, Al-Anon, but yet I wasn't doing the steps in either one. So I wasn't getting well. And so finally, you know, I continued to sit in the rooms. I continued to diet with group support. People became, they, they hugged me and loved me to death. And I kept coming back like everybody told me to do. I'm grateful that I never left the room. So that's my other takeaway is don't ever leave the rooms. Keep coming back. Eventually, you're going to hear what you need to hear. And when you're ready to hear it, you'll have a, a tribe of people around you that will be able to help you and guide you and support you on this journey. So basically, I'd like to say that I got well and did the steps with that sponsor. But the reality is not that. The reality is, is that I was still eating um, what they call alcoholic food and alcoholic ingredients, but I didn't know it because I didn't know about a food plan and I didn't know about those things. And I'm not going to mention them because we've been asked not to. So I will just say that I thought they were abstinent. They were all natural and they were found in a health food store. And I consumed them in just little teeny tiny increments, right? And eventually the buildup of human emotions happened in my relationship with that boy or that man. (laughs) And I picked up food and ate again and I relapsed and I didn't relapse just a little. I relapsed hard. I went out and I hadn't eaten sugar or flour. I'll just say those two things in probably two years. And I went out on a vengeance and I went from one 7-Eleven to the next 7-Eleven to the next 7-Eleven. I got my hair done by my best friend who was an AA who couldn't tell I was comatose in the food. I left there and I went to three more 7-Elevens. And then I found myself in the back of an alley of Trader Joe's. 
And I always say that my best surrenders have happened in back alleys, right? Um, in bathrooms and broken down vehicles on the side of the road. That's where God always gets a girl like me is, is, is in those places. And I sat in my car with all the wrappers on the passenger side. And I sat with a toothbrush in my hand because I had vomited all of it outside of the other door. And the light shone down through my windshield. And today I will just tell you, and I know it was God because I felt it. And I said right there, out loud, help me God. And he was there. And you know, we always say, pick up the phone before you take that bite. Well, I'm calling bullshit on that because you know what? I didn't take, I didn't pick up the phone then, but I did pick up the phone after I had thrown it up and eaten it all. And I called that man who, who talked about those nights that promises. And I called him and I said, I need help. And he knew me because I had sat in the rooms with him. And I said, what should I do? And he said, get to a meeting. And that's it. And we hung up. He didn't give me a disrotation. He didn't try and solve my problems. He didn't try and make me feel better. I knew that was the man that I was going to, that was going to sponsor me. And I went to a meeting of Alcoholics Anonymous the next morning. I know you think that's crazy, but something wasn't working for me in the rooms of OA. And so I went to an AA meeting and I sat there every morning, Monday through Friday at 6.30 a.m. And they lovingly let me stay there. I said, hi, I'm Jen, I'm an addict. And they opened up the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous and the AA 12 and 12, and they shared and they made me share every single week. And I didn't share around food. I just shared around my addiction, but I began to see and hear what my problem was and that there was a solution. It was outlined in this book. And that man who read me the promises, he met me at Panera Bread every Sunday and he opened up that book and he read line by line, word by word. He told me Bill's story. He talked to me about a Hampshire grenadier. What the hell is that? Like, I had no clue. It sounded like you people were aliens. I didn't know what was going on. And he helped me convert it from alcohol to compulsive overeating, anorexia, bulimia, exercise bulimia. And through embarking on that 12-step journey, taking action and doing the work, I got recovered. I got well. How do I know I was recovered? Because I was no longer dying on the outside. I was 26 pounds heavier, right? That's the weight I am today. And that's the weight I've been for the last four and a half years. And I was no longer dying inside, right? That spiritual malady, the hole in my soul that I was telling you guys about, like that's what was keeping me blocked off from life off from God, off from higher power, spirit of the universe, whatever anybody wants to call in these words, in this, in these rooms. And I will just say this, that thank you, God, now that he saved a girl like me. Remember, I told you God didn't save a girl like me in the church. But what I realized is that I was using God and religion as my bitch. And what I had to come to the conclusion of is that I needed to find a spiritual solution and a spiritual way of life. So you guys just read in that, that invitation, I wrote it down that I have an illness and that I've suffered and that there is a workable method. I listened and I wrote these words down and that is the solution. And I found it for me in the big book of Alcoholics Anonymous. I was weak, I was wounded and I was powerless. And what my sponsor told me is that lack of power was my dilemma and that I had to find a power greater than myself that was gonna restore me to sanity. 
I'm not a sane person. At least I wasn't. I'm a little more saner today. Thank you, God, for this program. And that the food left me. I don't care about food. I don't care about my alcoholic foods or the ingredients. I don't even care about exercise. I haven't worked out in weeks. I don't even have a gym membership anymore. I don't throw up. I don't binge. I don't purge. I don't stick myself with needles. I don't shove laxative down my throat like it's, you know, um, baby aspirin. You know what I mean? Just like taking it all the time. I have a new way of life. That's what you guys read at the beginning. It's a healthy way of living in Overeaters Anonymous. I refrain from my compulsive foods, alcoholic ingredients, and compulsive food behaviors. And I maintain the same body structure and wear the same stinking clothes. I'm tired of my wardrobe. I can say that for four and a half years. I have relationships with coworkers and family members, right? I'm able to go out and be of service to people instead of people serving me. I was the most selfish person in the entire planet. My son says to me at age 16, he looks across the table from me. He goes, you know, you used to be the mommy monster. He goes, now you're more like Mama Gandhi. I mean, he's not calling me a God. What he's saying is you're changed. There's an outward and inward change in a girl like me because of doing these steps. And here I thought it was, you know, the food. It started with that. You know, and I continue to do this, these steps over and over again. I don't stop. I've done the steps, of, I don't know how many times in the last four and a half years. And then my sponsor that sponsored me out of that big book, he just told me two months ago, I want you to go work with somebody else and have a new experience. So I'm on a new journey, doing the new steps with a new big book, because I want to see, I want to see how much bigger God can be and how much better life can be. I have a son at Syracuse University right? I just FaceTimed him for the sixth day in a row. He loves his mom. Like, it's so cool. I have a 13-year-old daughter who rolls her eyes and I go, eh, so be it. I can love her and accept her with raging hormones. Um, and I have a relationship, not only with God, but with a man. Ah, like I couldn't have a relationship with my ex-husband and I surely couldn't have a relationship with men before I came in here. God's showing me how to have relationships with people at work. My boss loves me. Ah, that's scary, right? Like I never had a boss. I never had a boss, first of all, but then I didn't have anybody that liked me. And guess what else I have? I have friends, friends in Overeaters Anonymous from coast to coast and all over the continent because of this program and this way of life. Ireland, Italy, France. I'm like Australia. Like I am blown away by the people that I'm connected with. My best friend lives in California, for God's sake. In this program, I met her at OA birthday. Go to OA birthday. I'm just giving a plug. So I'll finish up by saying this. It's a journey. It's not easy. What I had to learn is that I had to put down the food entirely. I had to take action. And I couldn't do it on my own. I had to take the hand of somebody else, that man who read the Ninth Step Promises, and he guided me lovingly through the steps. He's like my best friend today. Like, he's so great. Anyone that can just say, hey, go work with somebody else. I love you. I hope you learn more. Come back and teach me, right? That's awesome. So, you know, I just, I love, I love being of service. I love being of service on these meetings. And just, it, just in Colorado, in my workplace, I've been working since COVID-19 started. I haven't had a break and I go every day, God, use me. I walk through the door with the heart full of courage and say, 
use me instead of me using God. That's the difference today. And so with that, I'll pass. Thanks.